Thank you for joining us here at Dominion Life Church for another inspired teaching from God's Holy Scriptures. We expect that this teaching will encourage, challenge, and strengthen you in your life. Now, may the eyes of your understanding be enlightened to know what the hope of His calling is for you. Without further delay, enjoy the teaching. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Well, um, there's nothing like the feeling of waking up in the morning thinking you're going to teach one thing, and then on the way, the Lord says, I want you to to talk about something else. And you're like, but Lord, I didn't prepare for that. And he's like, well, you did um, when you surrendered to me. And I'm like, well, okay, okay. And, uh, you know, Brother Curry talked about last week about uh, living ready. And that living ready is, you know, not only being prepared in the natural, which is uh, what we were doing uh, when I was away last weekend. Uh, We went, um, when I say we, it's me and and, and Brother Guy and uh, another brother uh, that I know. We went, we drove, we went to, we drove, but uh, others flew into Colorado to receive training um, on how to be a first responder. So we, we, know, we, we know the hurricane that came through Louisiana and you know a lot of people were out without power and some damage and some without. And, but um, there are, the government can only do so much, right? And, uh, and so often they will call on civilians to come alongside them and help. And so those are called first responders. And I was presented with the opportunity to go and receive training to be a first responder so that legally I could be on the site of any natural disaster or anything like that. And I thought, man, what an amazing way to spread the kingdom. What an amazing way to be on site when people are in in greatest need, uh, when there's confusion, when there's hopelessness, and to bring the gospel, the kingdom of God. And, and, And I'm sure a lot of the training was very natural, 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 which is fine. So we get you preparing the natural, but they have no idea what's being brought on the scene in the spiritual. And uh, actually, one of the things that's really cool is um, uh, when you're doing search and rescue and you're, you're doing your triage, which means you're going through and you're, you're sorting the people based off of, you know, how severe their, their issue or their problem or their injuries are. One of the things that they encourage you now, this is from a government level. Um, they encourage you to uh, to. That's the best way to say it is to um, help them spiritually is to bring some spiritual component like they encourage that because they know that we're fighting, you know, on more than one plane here. And so the government, actually, when you're on these scenes of disasters, encourages you uh, to to offer. So they just say spiritual because they leave it open to all kinds of whatever. Uh, But we know which spirit we bring, which is the spirit of Christ. And so we just saw it as an amazing opportunity to to be more involved. You know, so when when a natural disaster strikes or a domestic disaster strikes or whatever, you know, we're going to get the call. We'll get the call and say, hey, can you come and can you help? And so, yeah, we're, we're prepared. We're ready, not only in the natural, but prepared in the spiritual also. Amen. And so and in that, you know, you always have to be ready 
in season and out of season. There's never a season that a believer should not be ready. There never should be a time when someone says, hey, I, you know, can you help me? Can you pray for me? And you got to go, wait, wait I got to go you know, think about it. I got to go pray about it. I got to go get prepared. No, we should live prepared, um, ready to, 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 to not only to give a, an answer or for the hope that lies within us, but to, to be able to deliver an answer. Amen? Amen? Because the one who has all the answers lives and abides in us. Amen? Amen. And so um, when I was driving in this morning, I was thinking about a, uh, just a real brief conversation that I had uh, with someone. Uh, it's actually a couple of people. And, um, and I realized um, there's a word that for whatever reason, Christians don't like. And it's all throughout scripture. It's something that Jesus talked about, something that the apostles talked about. But for whatever reason, like Christians are like afraid of this word. And, and I see it all the time. And it's whenever it's referred to, it's always referred to in the sense of like, you know, oh, you know, you, you, you know, I don't want to be religious or anything like that or get into works or whatever the case may be. But that that is a carnal perspective that you're robbing yourself from a dimension, if I could use that word, of a reality that you're called to. And that word is perfect. Oh, I don't believe in perfection. A Christian said all that. I don't believe in perfection. It's not about being perfect. Well, then you have an issue with the heavenly father. You have an issue with Jesus because Jesus himself calls us to be perfect as our heavenly father is perfect. Um, so turn to Matthew chapter five. Perfection is not something to be afraid of. Because how many you know that you cannot do perfect in your own strength, right? You can't do anything in your own strength. You, you, I mean, you can't raise the dead. You can't heal the sick. You can't even really preach the God. You don't, you don't want to preach the gospel in your own strength. Because that's man's wisdom. You know, human words of understanding. You, you, you want to do it in the strength that he provides. And then we know that scripturally, even Peter says, you know, if anyone ministers, let him minister with the ability that God gives. You know, so we're not even to preach the gospel in our own strength. We're, 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 we're to preach it in the, in the strength and the ability that he supplies. So we can't do anything. Jesus himself even also says at another place, abide in me from apart from me. You can do nothing. Apart from me, you can do nothing. So everything we live, we do, we do in him because in him we live and move and have our being. Do you get that? In him we live. In him we live. Not just teach, not just study, we live in him. And a lot of people are trying to live in this world and not live in him. And so Jesus in Matthew chapter five, we, 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 we have the, the Beatitudes. He goes through the Beatitudes. He talks about us being salt and light and how in him or how Christ is the fulfillment of the law. And he's, he, he, this whole talk, this whole sermon is all about um, shaping our hearts, shaping us and our character. Right. He talks about being salt and light. He talks about adultery. Right. He talks about murder. Right. It's it, it starts in the heart. 
right? And so he goes through all of this. He talks about going the second mile, right? Talks about turning the other cheek, loving your enemies, right? All these things that are impossible without him, right? No? Yes. Okay. Well, we awake. Yeah. Good morning. <laughs> Should we start over? <laughs> um, so all these things he's talking about are, are impossible without him, but we're in him because in him we live and move and have our being. And, at, and then toward the end of this, in verse 48, if you go ahead and look at that, let's actually, if, if you have your Bibles, let's, let's read this out loud together on the count of three. One, two, three, go. Wow. Red letters, right? Yes. Is that Jesus saying that? Yes. Is Jesus the way, the truth, and the life? Yes. Does he ever say anything arbitrarily? No. no. There's great purpose behind the things he says. So here Jesus is saying what? Be ye therefore perfect, perfect just as Father in is perfect. Wow. wow, what a comparison. Uh-huh. What a comparison. And so then you have Christians that are, I don't believe in perfection. I don't mean, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't believe in that. You can't put perfection on me. You know, it's not, a, it's not about being perfect. You hear Christians say that. And I'm like, well, do you read your Bible? Do you, do you see what Jesus is saying? He's calling these sinners of his day to what? Perfection, be ye perfect, right? Now, again, we can go in the Greek and look at this word and see what this word perfect means. And it's, it's the word teleos, which when you study that word out, uh, it, it means uh, brought to its completion or finished or mature, fully mature, full grown, to be complete in character and uh, morality, completeness of full age. So ultimately it talks about maturity. Be ye perfect, be ye fully mature, right? Now, it's amazing the comparison though. Be ye therefore perfect as your heavenly father. I mean, that's the comparison he gives. Like it would have been enough it would have been, it would have been an, an, an incredible standard to live to if he would have said, be perfect as I am perfect, right? We would have still been like, whoa. But he says, be perfect as your heavenly father is perfect, right? And we know this to be something that, that even the apostles uh, agreed with in their living and in, in their doing because Paul says something similar. He says, be imitators of God. Turn to Ephesians chapter five. Because I need you to see that this is in, in your Bible so that you, you, we stop making excuses and reasoning away the very thing that we're called to in Christ Jesus. Man, if I, if I embrace an attitude or a belief system that says, you know, I'm not, a, I'm not about perfection. I'm not about being perfect. You know, perfection is religion, is religious. That's religious bondage because nobody can be perfect. Is Jesus a liar? No. Is God a liar? Can God lie? No. 
So let God be true and every man a liar. So anytime you hear someone says that, oh, God does not want perfection, they're lying. (laughs) They're lying because that's not what God says in his word. When, When God says, be ye holy, therefore, as I am holy, he's not talking about a lower form of holiness. Right? Be ye therefore, not be ye therefore, be holy as I am holy. Again, there's a comparison there. And then you see Peter again saying the same thing in his epistle. Therefore, be holy as God is holy or as he is holy. Because this, to this we were called to be holy. Right? And holiness isn't some lesser form of anything. Holy, to be holy is to be perfect. It's to be set apart, apart from sin, apart from blemish, apart from blame. That's what it is. And so if, if, if we embrace an attitude or, or a speech or a belief system that separates us from the very thing that God has called us to, then guess what? We will never achieve or get to the place that God has called us to. If I keep denouncing, well, that's not for me and that's not who I am and that you can't put, oh, that's really, well, then there's no grace to grow into that which God has called you to. And we wonder why we struggle to get to where he's, he's conforming us into, where he's calling us to, because we embrace this, this false humility that keeps us from the very thing Jesus is calling us to. Oh, you know, God doesn't want perfection. Well, you need to read your Bible again. Ephesians chapter five, verse one. Therefore, be imitators of who? How can I imitate God? Be imitators of God, the one who is from everlasting to everlasting, The one who reigns in power and glory and might. He's omniscient. He's omnipresent. He's omnipotent. That's the one that Paul is saying by the spirit to imitate. Now, would Jesus, would would the spirit ever call us to something that is unattainable? That's impossible. Would he? So it must be possible. And and I happen to remember that scripture tells us that all things are possible to him who believes. And I wonder if, if our belief system has embraced an identity or a belief that is keeping us from attaining that which is possible to imitate our heavenly father. Because that's exactly what Jesus preached and did. He says, I only do what I See my father do, and I only say what I hear. So he seems to be imitating his heavenly father. And yet modern Christianity, people would preach. I mean, I've heard people preach this from pulpits. God's not after perfection. (laughs) Open your Bible, please. And see what it is, what what people are reacting to is, is condemnation that they feel when or if they miss the mark. And so to keep them from feeling that condemnation or that guilt or that shame, they they thrust off what they would think is this yoke of perfection. 
Oh, I, no one's perfect. Ugh. And so, so you're, you're allowing yourself to just, you know, well, you know, we're all going to miss, we're all going to miss it. We're all going to mess up. We're all going to, we're all going to, we're all going to. Well, that's going to ensure that you will. You know, Paul in another place says, make no provision for the flesh. And when you embrace, embrace that type of language, that type of ideology, you're making provision for the flesh. You're giving the flesh pre-permission to miss the mark. You're, or you're deciding beforehand that, hey, you know, I maybe I will, maybe I will, you know, it's, you know, we all do it. Nobody's perfect. It's a cop-out. It's a cop-out for, for, for not embracing the reality and the truth of the identity who God has called us to by the Spirit of God, walking by the Spirit of God, manifesting the fruit of God, manifesting the power of God to be free from that and to walk in the perfection that he's called us to. Because every born-again person is perfect in their spirit. Amen? And we're called to live by what? The Spirit. Because the Bible says that he who is joined to the Lord is what? One Spirit with the Lord. So I ain't scared anymore. I'm not afraid of this. Let's, let's turn, I, I, I need to show you this, and this is not going to be a super long teaching. I need to show you this because I need to show you this in scripture because I, I need us as a body of believers to embrace the truth, right? A lot of what we focus on here at Dominion Life or JGLM is, is unmasking the lies, right? Getting the unbelief out of the room, getting these sacred cows out of the way so that we can actually see the truth for what it is. Because when we see the truth for what it is, we, then we can see ourselves in that truth and our lives can begin to align to that truth. But if I'm, if, if, if I'm embracing a belief system, I'm, if I'm embracing a lie, then my mind or my life might manifest that lie and I might be shortchanged. I might not be able to grow up into him in all things. It's these little foxes that spoil the precious fruit of the vine. And we got we to gotta tear these things out. We got we to gotta expose these things for what they are so that we can be free to live as he called us to live. Hebrews chapter 6. Would you turn there with me? Hebrews chapter 6. He says this. Therefore... Leaving the discussion of the elementary principles of Christ, let us go on to. Let's say it together. One, two, three. Perfection. Let us go on to perfection. Hmm. I tell you, man, whoever wrote Hebrews, man, they had some kind of religious spirit on them. How dare they call us to perfection? Hmm. Leaving the elementary principles of Christ, let us go on to perfection. Let us go on to completeness. Let's go on to, to, to fullness. Let's go on to maturity. Let's get past these elementary things and go on to fullness. Amen. 
Let's go back to Matthew chapter 19. You got to see this because I believe when you see this, then you'll begin to embrace the reality and the truth. And I'm going to tell you how, to, how, how this becomes your reality. Starting in verse 20, it says, the young man said to him, all these things I have kept. So for context, for those that maybe don't know this story, Jesus is talking to uh, a... Uh, a rich young ruler, and um, he comes to him, he comes to Jesus, and um, he asks him, you know, what shall I do that I may have eternal life, right? That I may inherit eternal life. Um, and, you know, Jesus has a, a little bit of dialogue and discourse with him, and he talks about, you know, keeping the commandments, and he says, which ones? And Jesus lists the commandments. Uh, and so then this is the young man's reply. He says, then the young man said to him, all these things I have kept from my youth. What do I still lack? Jesus said to him, if you want to be. Let's say it out loud. One, two, three. Perfect. If you want to be perfect. Poor Jesus didn't get the memo. <laughs> How, you know, he's talking about perfect. No, who, why didn't anybody tell Jesus that perfection isn't? something for the, the church. Why didn't anyone tell Jesus that that was religion? Hopefully you can detect the sarcasm. <laughs> Jesus said to him, if you want to be perfect, if you want to be mature, if you want to be, if you want to come to completion, because remember this guy, this rich young ruler is like, listen, I've done everything right. I've done it all, Jesus. I've, I've done it all, Jesus, in my own strength. I've, I've done everything, right? And obviously we know righteousness is not of the law. It's of faith, right? So Jesus is speaking to this reality. Yeah, you've done a lot of good things by following the law. You've, you've kept the law. That's awesome. That's good. That's, that's right. But ultimately what you need to do is surrender all and follow me. He says, go sell what you have and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. And then what? Follow me. Follow me. And he's like, mm, sorry, can't do that. And it says, when the young man heard that saying, he went away sorrowful for he had great possessions. So it's, it sounds like his possessions had him. It says he had great possessions, but actually his possessions had him. So he could not, because of his possessions, he could not go on to perfection because the things that he owned had him. They had his heart. They were more costly to him than, than Jesus, than following Christ. But again, Jesus clearly talks about perfection. Let's turn to Ephesians chapter 4. Are you, are you seeing a language here? Are you seeing a pattern here? I mean, am I the only one that has heard it, it, it talked or preached about? You know, like, man, we, you know, it, no one's perfect. No one, you know, is anyone else, I mean, anybody else hear that language? Yeah. 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 
Sad reality, man. Starting in verse 11. <clears throat> it says, And he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors, and some teachers, for the equipping of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to a... Let's say it together. One, two, three. Perfect. To a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. You understand it says to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ? Yeah. Christ, Messiah, Mashiach, the risen one the one who's seated at the throne in glory and power at the right hand of power, who's reigning Christ, the King, to the measure of the stature of the fullness, fullness, not partiality, not 50%, not, not even 99.9% because that's not fullness. 99.9 isn't fullness. 100% is fullness. We're called to grow up to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. A perfect man. A perfect man. This is what we're called to. Perfection, beloved. It's nothing to be afraid of. It's nothing to be concerned about. Because God has not given you that fear. That came from the world. God didn't give you this spirit of fear to fear the very thing that he's calling you to. That came from hell. To try to keep you from your fullest potential in him, which is what? The measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. The fullness of Christ. No lack a perfect man in him. That's good news. Yes. Colossians chapter one. Turn there. Again, we, we, we just, we gotta, we gotta bury this thing. We gotta bury it with truth. Amen? Yeah. We gotta bury it with the word of God. Yeah. Chapter one starting in verse 27. It says, To them God will to make known what are the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Him we preach, Jesus Christ we preach, warning every man and teaching every man in all wisdom that we may present every man perfect. Let's say it. One, two, three. Perfect. In Christ Jesus. And that's probably what, like five scriptures right there? And I got more. We ain't done. I got more. This, this, this is Paul's revelation to Paul's heart. 
this is what this is. This was his aim and his goal. And we read that also in Ephesians. That was his aim and his goal. Right. Was to, to was was that we would uh, um, come into the unity of the faith of the knowledge of the son of God. Right. To the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Right. That's that's why Jesus gave these gifts unto men, apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints for the work of the ministry. Right. Till we all come to the unity of faith and da, 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 right. You you know the yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> Sorry, I couldn't help myself. <laughs> um, um, pray for Joe Biden. Um, so we know that Jesus gave us the ability to grow up into him in all things to the measure, the stature, the fullness of Christ. And then we see Paul here again, asserting that reality with great authority saying, listen, him, Jesus, we preach. We are preaching about Jesus Christ. We're warning every man and we're teaching every man in all wisdom that we may present every man, every single one of you, every believer in Christ, that we may present them perfect in Christ Jesus, fully mature, complete, lacking nothing, lacking nothing. That's the goal. That's the aim. That's what we're moving towards. Perfection in Christ Jesus from apart from him. You got nothing, but in him, you have all things. And that's the, that's the perspective because you never see him calling us to perfection outside of Jesus. Right? We're called to abide in the, in, in the vine. And that's, see, that's the beauty of understanding or knowing the, the totality of the word of God is because you're able to assimilate what you're hearing based off of what Jesus said, based off of what the apostles said. Right. And, and you take you, you take the, the wholeness of Scripture and you're not just pulling one liners out and going, oh, that must mean this. No, you're, you're looking at it through through the lens of the life of Jesus and the totality of the revealed word of God and, and even by the spirit of God. Amen. Because Paul even though Paul, we know Paul was very studious. He studied a lot. He studied the scriptures, Old Testament, right? There were, he, he didn't have the gospel of Matthew, right? He didn't have Mark's gospel. He didn't have the book of Acts because that was actually written sometime way after actually Paul had lived. You know, he, you know, he, he, he didn't even necessarily have some of his early letters that he had written. So everything that was coming forth in him was coming forth by the spirit, Right? Because he says in all wisdom, it's, it's coming forth by the wisdom of God inside of him, by the spirit of God. So these things he's speaking, he's speaking by the spirit and he's encouraging us by the spirit. And so it's by the spirit. I believe the spirit is telling us this morning, don't fear perfection. Because to this you were called. Be ye perfect as your heavenly father is perfect. Just turn a couple chapters over to chapter four. He 
And you see, Paul is kind of winding down. He's concluding this letter. Uh, in my Bible, see, I don't know how you guys do it. In my Bible, I have all these scriptures highlighted and underlined. And actually, I have this really cool app that allows me to do the same and allows me to highlight them. Um, and you can highlight, I, I can highlight them different colors. I can even categorize them. So then I can go back and just click on um, a subtitle like perfection, um, or I can click on uh, the, the, the color of the highlight and it shows all the highlighted scriptures. And then I can just go through and then I can just ground myself in that identity and that reality. Father, I thank you that your word says that I'm called to be perfect as your heaven, as the have our heavenly father is perfect. So father, I release Lord God, every bondage, every, every, uh, attempt to try to get it in my own strength. And I trust you. I trust it's by the spirit that you're bringing this into my life. So father, I will be perfect as my heavenly father you are perfect. And I begin to edify myself in that reality. And I go through all these scriptures and I just, I, ah, thank you. This is, this is me. Yes. I embrace this. It's mine written for my edification, for my encouragement, for my growth. Even the ones that to some may seem grandiose, but he's saying it about me. And the only way that I can be conformed into that Identity is if I approach it in communion, communion in faith, and I agree, this is for me. And by grace, grace comes and it helps to form me and shape me and make that my reality. That's why we're we're going through all these scriptures, so that now you have a reference. So now no one can steal what Jesus, what the Spirit is saying about you. Because you go, hold, wait, wait, hold on. You, you, okay, I understand you're saying nobody can be perfect, but you understand, you know that the scripture calls us to be perfect? Yeah. You know that over and over you see this, this, and you. So let's really define what you mean when you say that. Are you trying to, to, to achieve something in your own strength? Well, well, sweetie, surrender. Surrender to his power. Surrender to his spirit and let the Lord form you in perfection. Submit to those that he's placed in your life that will help encourage you and edify you that we see in, in Ephesians chapter four, because they're there to help us grow to the measure, of the stature, the fullness of Christ to a perfect man. It's not as hard as we think. It only becomes difficult when we allow the lies of the enemy and, and the desires of the flesh to pull us, to tug us. That's the only, that's really the only opposition, the lies of the enemy and whatever carnal desires are are tugging on you. You know, the spirit may be saying, Hey, I want you to, I want you to, 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 to pray in the spirit for a little while. And you know, but you know what The, the game's on it's, it's game seven or it's game six. And you know, The spirit is contrary to the flesh and the flesh is contrary to the spirit. And when I say flesh, I'm not talking about this thing, not the meat. I'm talking about that carnal desire, the desire for the the things of the world. That's what makes it difficult. It's because those desires are constantly pulling on us. Otherwise, it's, it's very simple. Where I had you turn something. Okay. Colossians chapter four. 
starting in verse 12. And this is Paul. He's kind of like ending this letter to the Colossians. And he says, Epiphras, who is one of you, a bondservant of Christ, greets you, always laboring fervently for you in prayers. Man, I love that. Always laboring fervently for you in prayers. Man, when's the last time you prayed for your church? When's the last time you prayed for your pastors? When's the last time you prayed for your president? When's the last time you prayed for your city officials? But even just specifically, when's the last time you prayed for the body of Christ? You know, Epiphras is, is a bondservant and he's always laboring fervently for us in prayer. For not us, but for them at that time in prayer. And, but Paul ends it with this. He says that you may stand... One, two, three, perfect, and complete in all the will of God. So Epaphras is praying for the Colossian church that they may stand perfect and complete in all the will of God. So somehow Epaphras got the memo, Right? Somehow Epiphras knows that this is to what this is what they are called to. This is what so I'm I'm praying fervently. And he's praying fervently, Lord, that they would be perfect and complete. And he's going after it. He's praying, Lord, let the Colossians see the, the perfection and completeness, the fullness, the, their maturity in you and in your will. He's going after this thing. That's how much he's convinced of this reality. That's awesome. So it was in Paul. It was in Jesus. It was in Epaphras. I'm sure it was in Timothy and Jude. We know it was in the Ephesian church because that's what he told them. So this is a normal understanding and belief system within the body of Christ. Uh, quickly tur- tur- turn to James chapter one. James says, says it kind of in a, in a different way. St. James, Santiago. <clears throat> starting, uh, chapter one, starting in verse two, he says, my brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience, but let patience have its perfect work that you may be one, two, three, perfect. and complete, lacking Nada. (laughs) Wow. Let patience have its perfect work that you may be Perfect. perfect and complete, lacking nothing. Lacking nothing. Beloved, to this you are called to lack nothing, to have need of nothing. This is, this, this is to what we were all called to. And so our job is to help get all the muck, all the mire, all the lies, all the inhibitors that the vast majority of them are here and are thinking so that we can attain to the measure, the stature, the fullness of Christ. And it's not something that we grasp. It's actually something that we surrender and submit ourselves to. And allow grace to come and make it our reality. Amen? Amen. 
James says, let patience have its perfect work that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. He says it in, in, in another way here in chapter three, starting in verse two. He says, for uh, we stumble in many things. If anyone does not stumble in word, he's perfect, man. Right. Able also to bridle the whole body. Right now, again, this is not James statement for we all stumble in many things. That's not a license to stumble. Okay, so get that out of your mind. Destroy that right now. That's not a license to stumble. Okay. Because we have way too much scripture that talks about how we are not to to stumble, that we're not to cause others to stumble. Right. Peter says, um, by these exceedingly great, he goes, if you do all these things, you will never be barren nor unfruitful and you will never stumble. So per, per, perfect people, when you, when you come to completion and perfection, there's no cause for stumble in you. When you walk after the spirit, you will not follow the lust of the flesh. Amen. Amen. I'm telling you, it's, it's available and it's possible, but you have to set your mind to the reality that it is possible. In Christ Jesus, because remember, to him who believes. All things are possible, all things are possible. Okay, James. Anyone does not stumble in word, he is a perfect man, able also to bridle the whole body. Again, perfect man, complete man, full First Peter chapter five, verse 10 it says, but may the God of all grace who called us to his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after you have suffered a while, perfect, establish, strengthen and settle you. It's the same word, same meaning. Perfect, establish, strengthen Galatians chapter three, verse two through three. You can write these down. I'm just going to read through these. This only I want to learn from you. Did you receive the spirit by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? Are you so foolish having begun in the spirit? Are you now being made perfect by the flesh? Maybe that is why a lot of people feel the condemnation of why they want to thrust off this, this, uh, this, this word, this title. Oh, nobody's perfect because maybe they're trying to do it in the flesh. I could testify. I was for a long time in my life. I was doing ministry from the flesh. And I was I, 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 I was insecure. I was I had worry. I had, um, you know, I was physically affected because of it. It was horrible. I didn't like it. But I was convinced, somebody had convinced me that, hey, it's just what it is, you know. Somebody lied to me. Oh, you know, it's just what it is. You just pour out so much. And nobody ever really taught me, man, like I can, I can minister with the ability that he gives. So I don't need to, to worry about my ability. Man, right. right? All, I, all I'm called to do is just to be prepared in him. Yeah. It's to be with him. It's to follow him. And to believe in him. And so when I stand up to minister, I minister with the ability that he gives. I had no idea that I was going to teach this this morning until I was driving here this morning. (laughs) 
And it would be impossible for me to sit up here and give you, you know, a three point sermon, you know, with PowerPoint. There's no way. But you have to be ready. It has to be from the spirit. And I trust him. I trust him so much that he, he says, no, I want you to go this way. Okay. And if I have to stand up there and look somewhat foolish, I'm okay with that. But I trust that, Holy Spirit, you will speak. I trust that you will give me a wisdom that my adversaries will not overcome. I trust that when I open my mouth, as you said, do not prepare beforehand what you ought to speak for the spirit will give you the words to say. I trust him in that. So I can just say, "Okay, Lord, what do you want? What do do you want? And he says, well, I, I want my people to know that. Perfection isn't their foe. Perfection isn't a dirty word. It's nothing to be afraid of, but it's actually what I've called them to. I've called them to be complete in me. I've called them to the measure, the stature, the fullness of Christ. I called them to walk just as he walked. And if they keep thrusting off this term, if they keep believing the lie that that no one can be perfect, then they'll never attain to the very thing that I've called them to. But remind them that it's as, as uh, in Galatians, we're not being made perfect in the flesh. We're being made perfect by the spirit and by the word. We're being, we're being made perfect by the spirit and by the word. And the multiplied grace of God upon our lives. It's not a flesh thing. It's not a I got to try harder thing. It's a surrender thing. It's a submitting to the word of God and to the spirit of God thing. It's a choosing to be a believer and not a doubter. It's a choosing to embrace the word regardless of how impossible it might sound. Because we know we're born in iniquity. But beloved, we are born again, born of spirit, born again, born of God, born of spirit. It says we were created according to the knowledge of him who created us. Bearing his image and his likeness, he put his spirit inside of you. It's what you're called to. That's what you were created for from the beginning. Was, he didn't create Adam and Eve with flaw. And he said, man, they're, they're very good. They're very good. He doesn't create anything with flaw. It's not in his nature. It really isn't. So when we're created according to the, when, when we see that we are his workmanship, we have to know and believe that he did a pretty good job. And he knew what he was doing and he did it. He did it. He, he, he did it right. There isn't going to be a new man 2.0. The new new man. No, there's only one new creation. And beloved, you are it. So embrace the truth 
about what scripture reveals who you are and what you're called to. Because only then will grace and the spirit come and form you to help make it your reality. Amen? Amen. We hope you enjoyed this powerful teaching. For more information about Dominion Life Church, you can locate us on the internet at dominionlifechurch.org or you can call us at 469-209-0946. Until next time, may you be a hearer and doer of the Word of God.